Now we're into the second hour of the show. Of course, it's the sports panel hour, and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back June's sporting guest editor. That can only be Imogen Collins from British Canoeing. Hello, Imogen. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Very, very good. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Very good. Very good. Oh, I'm good. So you've had a good day Not on the water this morning. Yeah, on the water this morning. Now GCSEs have all finished. All the kids want to train in the mornings this week so yeah out there today nice and early it was lovely this morning wasn't it it was beautiful really nice and flat out on the water it was perfect yeah let me ask this question that i've i teased up Mm -hmm. over an hour ago now okay you know so in terms of uh rainy conditions do you really mind it no no no. but but you were telling me that you don't you you don't mind it Mm. however when it gets rainy and windy you do yeah it's it's much more ideal when it's nice and flat on on the water that's it exactly i was teasing the term (laughs) flat on the water which i can't get my head around you mean it's a bit more choppy well like sometimes it can actually be flat on the water like there's no ripples there's no movements it's just Mm. flat but a lot of the time it's not like that wonderful right now we've got that out of the way let's talk about um (laughs) really good stuff at the weekend amazing at the slalom world cup uh, at the weekend so tell us all about it for those people who weren't oh did you make it in the end by the way i went along on the friday so Mm -hmm. i saw i saw everyone all of the british guys compete and it was so exciting so amazing to get all of our all of our paddlers qualified through to the semi-finals some of them being the fastest qualifiers it was just really really good to be there watching and local success as well yes two golds two golds (laughs) so Mallory Franklin took a gold in the K1 women and the C1 women which was brilliant she raced really well interestingly when I was there she had to go take her second run in the K1 so it was Really impressive to pull it back when she came to the final to take that win. How confident is she or her or Mallory and, and her team ahead of the Olympics? Or actually, is it just too soon to be thinking about that? Uh, I think it is. She works with a guy called Craig, who is just amazing. Um, he is really keen, really dedicated, understands Mallory to a T. Um, and I think with slalom, it's hard to be too comfortable because mm. someone, uh, Etienne Stock, said to me the other day that if your biggest competition is the water, so you can spend all your time thinking I'm better than them, I'm better than them. But actually, if you get stuck in a in an eddy or a blocker, you, you can't do anything. You're there. That's time taken off. If you hit a pole, you get two seconds added and that could be the difference between Fine margins yeah tiny margins so tiny it? yeah and actually uh, for, for new listeners start here what is an eddy uh it is where oh i don't know the correct terminology it's it's where the water it's not a person no it's not a person it's where the water pulls up into kind of a circle and it it catches you and so you can get them out on the river when there's a lot of flow it's when there's different directions of water kind of meeting mm-hmm. in one place that's the one put you on the spot then yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like it flat as i said i'm not an eddie expert <laughs> <laughs> well it's great to watch as well i think uh, slalom canoeing it's, it's one of these mm. things that uh, a lot of us watch every four years when the olympics rolls round yeah. uh, when, when it's on terrestrial tv and we have maybe more access to it but it's wonderful to watch so fingers crossed for all the british uh, canoers yeah. in any discipline um Looking yeah. forward to hearing more. Mm. Uh, or, or looking forward to your questions. For the, uh, do, do you think you've um, raised the bar this week, even um, even from last week, with uh, your questions? I think I've managed it. I've realised that kind of 
three questions for one week seemed bearable, but now I'm third week in. I'm like, oh gosh, how do I find a good question that matches last week? But no, I'm quite comfortable with my, my questions for this week. Really looking forward to it. Thanks, Imogen, for being our guest editor once again. So looking forward to Imogen's questions. Right, let me go round the studio then and introduce the rest of our live studio guests. And it's a very good evening to Jem Duglin. Hi, Jem. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you. How are you, Rita? Very good. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank good you. to see you again. Lovely to see you. Should we tell everyone of our little story when we bumped into each other? So we, 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 we have met before in yeah. this, well, not in this very studio, in our in our previous home mm-hmm. in Caversham. Um, so by the way, Jem, Jem Duglin from, uh, um, from eSports, you know, we're talking eSports in a few moments time. Controversial, I think, for some people. So you're going to have to put those, Ooh. put a few, um, a few of those myths to bed. Okay. <laughs> but we bumped into each other in a rather um, famous department store. Yeah. <laughs> when I, yeah, random, wasn't it? But you were buying a lovely gift for your friend, weren't you? Yeah, yeah definitely. I'm um, sniffing away in the candle department, yeah, I think. Exactly. <laughs> and trying to random. kind of read the fuse up. Yeah, and I saw you. And I was like, and I was uh, protecting myself from a very cold evening and didn't want to wait, wait at the bus stop, basically. Yeah, so exactly. I'm in this department store. Anyway, more random stories to come, Jen. But, uh, so tell us all about what you do. Come on then, tell us all about what you do. So I'm um, from a company called Mavril, um, and we're basically a gaming company focused on grassroots esports and obviously esports for those who don't know is organized competitive gaming so we work with some of the biggest publishers the eas the capcom the ubisoft all those guys that make the fifas and the street fighters and the call of duties and all those fun games that everyone loves to play doesn't well exactly <laughs> no, I, mean, I mean there's a, a lot of fans out there and it's a growing sport isn't mm-hmm. it one of the fastest growing sports yeah. in the country is that right yeah in the world in fact mm-hmm. um predicted by some to overtake football in terms of the number one sport in the world in the next five years in terms of viewership so it's rapidly growing right i'm going to ask you the question that mm-hmm. some people might be asking in their minds yeah is it really a sport you all oh, a controversial one yeah um yeah, it's been how's, classified how's as a sport. Sport? <laughs> what's she gonna ask me it's been, cla- it's been classified as a sport and do you know what? i look at it in the same way you know some sports aren't that strenuous physically um you know such as golf archery and there are others and like even darts and stuff but even if you look at some of the esports professional players they actually train like athletes they wait you know they lift weights they they physically have to be in peak optimum condition they train they run all sorts they watch their diet because you obviously have to concentrate for a long period of time so they actually have like a an athletic regime mm-hmm. and it's which a massive unknown and it's a, in terms of spectator sport massively uh, massive. massive events right massive. around the country yeah where people come along and watching watching esports so yeah i thought i, th- I thought i'd throw the controversial question out there you look at me like <laughs> how could you do that to me <laughs> but I've, I've, I've done it now and i, I kind of got away with that i think yeah, but no, but it is a question that some people i'm sure yeah, do definitely. ask for sure so now looking forward to talking more about no esports problem. in a few moments time welcome Welcome back, Gem. And last but certainly not least, let me welcome back to BBC Radio Berkshire's Extra Time. It's Harrison Jilks. Evening, Harrison. How are you? I'm good, Rita. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, welcome. You haven't been to our new home here. Well, it's not new anymore, but there we go. But, uh, welcome. What have you been up to then, Harrison? So, by the way, Harrison Jilks, the former Slowtown and Basingstoke player. You know, you had to retire, unfortunately, at, a, at mm. an early age, didn't you? But mm-hmm. uh, what, 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 what's been uh, your life over recent months, uh, months, Harrison? Tell us all. Since since the season's finished, it's been quite relaxed, to be honest. It's, it's nice when, when the season finishes just to get... A, get a break take a take a step back and assess kind of what you want to do next season and and for me that's probably going to be going down the coaching route uh pursuing my badges uh taking that as far as i can go so um looking at that but also also getting that rest time in as well 
which I think is important. It's really important, Very, isn't it? Mm. And um, is, uh, is your coaching badge, how difficult is it? Is, mm. it, is it? is it that difficult? I don't know. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's, um, I just come off the course, actually. We, we was there for two weeks at St. George's Park, so... Um, it was the it was the A license. Uh, it was very intense. So you'd, you'd probably wake up at about half eight, start at half eight, and then you'd be in there learning until nine p.m. So very intense. A lot of content, a lot of learning that you need to get in there. But like I say, it's football. So for me, it's 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 enjoyable all the time, really. Is so. it, it's not like uh, I don't know double chemistry on a Monday no, morning. No, no. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Not quite oh, so, double sorry, chemistry. Sorry or... to anyone that, that absolutely loves double chemistry on a Monday morning. But, uh... I don't think anyone loves that, do they? <laughs> oh, I, I think there are. <laughs> there are a couple. Yeah, definitely. Fair play to them. Fair play to them. Um, anyone, um, anyone that we would recognise uh, in your in your classroom? Anyone else? That we, um, anyone there? Sonko was there. Ibrahim Sonko really? used to play for Reading. Yeah, oh. so obviously people from Reading will know him. Um, so yeah, it was good to see him there. Um, but that was about it, really. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Well, good luck. So you're doing that at the moment. Yeah. So, so you, you learn mm-hmm. you learn the content, and then I think you've got to do a project over a period of a year, maybe longer. Is is however long it takes you to to do what you need to do, really, to mm-hmm. be deemed worthy enough of a pass. And y- your dad. Yes. Let's mention your dad. Yes. Evening, dad. <laughs> uh, so you know, legend of Reading Football mm-hmm. Club as yeah, well, and, sure. and uh, you know, d- very much uh, still part of the club as well. Mm. Uh, so do you both still share a massive love for Reading Football Club? Please say yes. Of course, massive love. Yeah, <laughs> massive love. I don't think we could ever leave that. Um, and, and football in general, I think we'll, we'll watch games together. We'll talk about games, analyze games. So I'm blessed to be honest to be able to kind of pick his brains whenever I want the fact that he's been a coach he's a top level coach um, and the fact that I can kind of get insight into into what he thinks is good what works what doesn't work so yeah very blessed your conversations around the dinner table must be just all football yeah, surely I, I, <laughs> I think the rest of the family get sick of it to be honest but it, it, it is how it is and they got put up with it well Harrison thanks a lot for coming in really <laughs> no great to all. see you right then Imogen so uh, for, for for new listeners start here or maybe if you're, you've never tuned in to us before good evening by the way welcome along to Extra Time on BBC Radio Berkshire I'm Rita uh, this is Imogen in a few moments time Imogen's our sports editor for the month of June what does that mean well it means that uh, Imogen's going to ask all the questions in this hour of the show. So over to you, Imogen, for your first question of this evening. So, with the push to make sports more popular through publicity, are we now starting to step away from elite performance and finding ourselves locked in the blur of elite entertainment? I have concerns that at some point, sporting events, that some sporting events, the athletes are kind of an afterthought behind the priority of the audience. How do we stop this or is it not something that we need to stop, we need to keep doing? Jem, do you want to go first? Jem <coughs> Duglin from uh, from the eSports world. <laughs> yes, um, I think I think the audience will always kind of um, remain a priority for a lot of the organisations purely from a commercial standpoint. But I think like for, in terms of like the athletes, I think it's actually probably the greatest era for them in the fact that they can build up their own leverage and not be at the mercy of anyone so like back in i don't know back in the day 70s and 80s they didn't have the internet like this so at scale where you can build up your own profile and use social media and everything else so if you look even a lot of like players and athletes they have a bigger like following than some of their own clubs and organizations that they represent and so i think it's actually almost the reverse is happening the leverage if you look at using like the nba i'm not a massive nba or like basketball fan in general but if like lebron and steph curry and a few of the others actually said hey do you know what we want to come come away create our own league go to someone like facebook you know google 
or Microsoft and say, hey, use one of their on-demand platforms for the internet and say, we'll use that as a distribution, they actually probably have the pulling power to do that. There'd be yeah. a lot of players that would follow them. And so the NBA would be in a real rut there. So I think, I think there's actually a lot of benefits for the players in that sense. Um, from my point of view, I think, as you say, uh, sports are a lot more diverse now. The, the audience is a lot more diverse. Yeah. So you, if you look at some of the, I think, the FA Cup final this year um, and kind of opening ceremonies at, at World Cups, I think you've got like an hour and a half show before. Yeah. It, it's massive, the entertainment factor. And it has to be massive because ultimately, at the end of the day, it is entertainment. Mm -hmm. The fans are important. The audience is important. Um, and it, and if you listen to all the great managers of teams, etc., they'll say who is the most important thing at the football club. It will be the fans. Yeah. So I I do agree with what you're saying in the fact that the players are very important themselves, and what they do on the pitch is ultimately the priority. Yeah. But you kind of you got to look after the fans and the yeah, audience yeah. because without that, as you know, yeah. what what have you got? It's it's a it's a massive driver, right? Yeah. And I think even some on some a lot of fans will feel like they're not actually being looked after that well from the organisation in terms of like whether it's ticket prices going up and yeah. so on, mm. and even with some of the broadcasting expenses for these packages, so they'll feel like they're getting squeezed in a sense. So I feel like. I don't know. I always think so when you when you go to a football match and there always are those people that leave early to go and get their car. Yeah. Like as a as an athlete on the pitch, if you saw that, how would that affect your mindset? Like, oh, they're bored, they're done, mm. they're not real fans. Like how how do you see that? Because that is once again that's the audience making an impact on mm. the athletes mm. themselves. I think when you're in in a in a game environment, you you don't actually notice because mm. you're so fixated on what's actually going on. You, you're not looking at the crowd and you're not listening to what they're saying. When that could be a problem is if there's a break in play and you see your, your fans leaving, that can be quite disheartening. Especially yeah. if you're losing, you yeah. might be down the bottom of the league and none of your fans <laughs> are coming to watch you anymore. Mm. That's disheartening. Um, but as a professional, as a sport, as a as a gamer or, or or whatever, it's down to you. You've got to manage that yeah. yeah definitely you have to I think yeah like you said if once you're in a zone I think you might not even realise um, mm -hmm. you're just on, you're on the field doing what you need to do I think also if it's almost the responsibility as well from the team to make the fans give them something to want to stay for yeah. um, and cheer them on for and if they're given for most most fans they won't actually ever mind their team losing if they actually feel like their players are given 100% mm -hmm. commitment and heart and effort and yeah. desire so if people, you, you very rarely see people just walk out and it's just like, there's teams getting hammered or yeah. they see mm -hmm. there's no desire on the field. I think it's quite a lot of pressure. So uh, Liam Heath, who I've spoken about before, he's he's a brilliant sports person and he is incredible and he'll always give back. But actually, he's not necessarily that comfortable with doing the press talk and yeah. everything for the cameras afterwards. And they're made to do this because it's needed. He's, he's won the gold medals. He has to go and stand there. But actually, all he probably wants to do is just go see his family. <laughs> And it, but the audience is the priority mm. in that point. Like you have to go and uh, Catherine Granger was saying the other day when she won her gold medal in, I think Beijing, the first thing that happened before they could even acknowledge and celebrate was they were getting shipped into a van to go and be wow. interviewed by BBC. So it's <laughs> the audience is taken away from that athlete's like hard work and drive along that time. I just, I, yeah, I just have my concerns about it. I agree. That's a great point. I'd almost think, in that sense, almost you could almost blame the broadcasters in that sense yeah. because it's them who are trying to get their snippets for mm. whatever to push out on their media platforms to get that, you know. But who's, who's driving that? It's it's the users well, on know, social media, right? Yeah. They they want they the want access it. to their they, their, they their want to be at it on their fingertips. Don't so they? it's like if the BBC get that first, then obviously the BBC are kind of ahead of that. It, it, it's all who's driving it. 
Well, exactly that. I, you know, as as a broadcasting environment <laughs> that we're in right now. Sorry, no, 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 not at all. But it's, it, it, it's it's an interesting point, isn't it? There's a fine line between uh, wanting to absolutely celebrate that enormous success, which oh, we can only dream of those type of moments in our lives, uh, and uh, and then being being in front of uh, maybe even one of us actually <laughs> having a post post uh, race interview. Mm. But isn't that part of the world that we live in right now, Imogen, that, that, that success, if, if you're actually having broadcasters that want to talk to you, yeah. then isn't that a sign that actually things are ro- rather rosy in your sport? Yeah, I guess it's a way of getting publicity. Within kayaking, we, we don't get that much publicity and we've started to kind of make it on BBC online and those sort of areas, but it's not we're not used to it. Our national regattas and inter- like small-scale internationals, we, we don't get anything. So you just get used to the way that it is. So then you go to these big internationals and suddenly it's all on you. Mm. Um, and and I know with working with the kids, the thought of getting their pictures taken is exciting enough. So being interviewed and that sort of stuff, it's a big change. Like it's a lot of learning. It's an added learning that they need to be ready to be an elite sports person these days mm. well you could be um, a uh, Indian or Pakistani cricketer and have having a billion people watching you as, yeah. as a lot of them were, were on, on Sunday yeah. uh, so maybe not to those type of levels but <laughs> could you imagine I mean these guys can't even walk down the street they can't yeah, go no. to their local supermarket and get a, get a pint of milk uh, <laughs> without being absolutely mobbed I think they get other people to do that for them yeah. um, <laughs> but it's a great point lovely first question love it we're in the sports panel hour I've been joined in in the studio by Harrison Jilks. Evening, Harrison. Evening, Rita. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> You're still there? Yeah, yeah still there. <laughs> good, good. Uh, and Imogen Collins, our sports editor for the month of June. Hey. Hi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I feel between the pressure. And Gemma, also from the world of esports. You're here, because hey. I can definitely see you right hey, in front of me. Hello, hello, hello. Right then, Imogen, over to you for your second question of the hour. So as we've already mentioned, at the Slalom World Cup this weekend, hosted at Lee Valley, the British team had a phenomenal haul. We actually got three gold, three silvers and a bronze. I want to know people's thoughts on the home advantage. Is it really all it's cracked up to be? Does it make a difference in all sports? Um, Yeah, tough one. Um, If we look at it from the performance side of things, I don't know how it is in your sport. Do you ever go through visualisation techniques or mental imagery beforehand? So in the, within the slalom, there's loads of that. Mm. So you are, you've walked the course, you then, you're mm-hmm. you're imagining it, you've got that clarity of what it is. Although it changes mm-hmm. for an event, it, you, you know the key places where... So, so in football, stuff. it's quite predominant as well. Mm. Um, before, night before a game, if you're playing at home, you'll see everything. You'll see the changing room, you'll see the kit, you'll see when you come out, what the pitch is, is like. Um, and it's very easy to visualise it. Yeah. However, if you go away and you're playing away from home and you, and you don't know what the ground's like, it can kind of mess up your routine yeah. and you don't know what to expect. So it can throw you off a little bit from that from that sense. Um, if we look at it from the fans' perspective, um, I think that's massive. If you're playing and you've got your own fans behind you, yeah. it, it's like you can't really kind of quantify how important that is. They give you a lift. I think we were saying outside... The, the fans can kind of drive an intensity yeah, into, into the team and into the game which 100. you wouldn't otherwise have had um, so that's either going for you or is going for the opposition um, so yeah I think I think home and away advantage is massive because yeah. I always think that when when you go away to an international you know the purpose of your that you're there really clearly to just go and execute a race or a match or whatever you're doing but actually when you're at home 
you're still living your life. Mm. I don't think so. Oh. For, within our sport, you don't necessarily get taken away. So the guys that have just raced at Lee Valley, they train there every single day. So it's just habit turning up. Mm, so actually, I, I wonder whether that's actually a good thing or whether it kind of takes away from your your prep for performance. No, I hear your point. Um, no, I think that there's two benefits. I just think there's a benefit in that. The first, I think like the home performance, like you said, is when you know that everyone there is like on your side, mm. like the majority yeah. of people, I think that's a massive impact. You know, there's some places described when you go away, even especially like footballs, like describes like the cauldron. Yeah. And so you, you get that connotation for when you go there, you obviously know what it's going to be like from the opposing opposition fans. I feel like when you said someone training every day in the valley, um, you, if you're a high level performer, you should have that mindset like I'm here to dominate all the times anyway. Yeah. So and especially if you have someone come into your house, if you will, you um need to like put that performance and you should know like the, all the bends and all the places and you yeah. really I think you've got still got an advantage. Yeah. And you have to try to get out of that kind of casual training mindset. Yeah, I th I think it's also the uh, the the like the fact that you are just at home. So some of the coaches decided to get rid of that other half of the weekend so that they could feel like they exactly. were they weren't getting distracted by what was their normal home life and I just think that it's a really interesting thought and it, it does change how you then attack the competition yeah and I'm, I'm interested about the world of esports actually in terms of home advantage mm -hmm. or, or playing away as such so w what what type of impact is that I guess you, you've got so you, you're uh, you're following that follow you here there and everywhere yeah. right and further away you are from home that will diminish but tell us more about is there a home advantage so, in esports yeah because if you're a player just in the same way traditional sports if you're a player and you know that you're stepping into an arena and especially if it's your hometown within that country as well and you know like everyone's there to like back you it's the same with like f2 techs with like the epl if you're playing at anfield he's a liverpool fan and say like he's got fellow liverpool fans backing him and he's going there to play fifa that's a massive advantage for him because that's his you know it's clubby sports it's his and then he's got all these other people backing him because he's a liverpool fan and it plays in the same way as like people cheering you on and you can feel that energy you know they always say like you know they refer to the fans like the 12th you know man in sports or 12th person and so it's, I think it's massive even in gaming as well. So you take the, I, I love that. So you take the, obviously the fans of, yeah. the, of the team that you're, you're playing for yeah. um, in, in an esports manner as well <laughs> as well as the guys on the pit. I love that. That's, yeah. It's interesting. It would apply for all the types of games, whether it's, you know, a game like Rainbow Six Siege, Call of Duty, you know, FIFA, whichever game, Street Fighter, just knowing that the crowd's behind you is just, it's that sporting element. You know, I had a, a little bit of, um, experience about that we'll talk about that later but yeah definitely, Ooh, definitely okay fun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see Jamie's mind going can I talk about that on yeah, air well that'd be interesting yeah. well, I might play a tune and then just check it out first but what are the what are the most um um popular sport I don't want to use the pop word popular yeah what are the most popular esports right now it would is it is it the traditional um you know FIFA games is it Call of Duty what? so you've got FIFA you've got um, Call of Duty like you mentioned you've got Fortnite as well I'm sure you may have had done that game um, yes thanks <laughs> <laughs> play it I've um, never played no, it you should get involved um, I could do this on the dances but that, sorry yeah, exactly. I think, it's hard. <laughs> exactly. okay. I think I've just embarrassed and, myself and League, League of Legends as well um, mm -hmm. League of Legends Overwatch there's a few of them but there's there's something for everyone World of Warcraft and stuff as well so. right then J Harrison are you an eSports fan do you um, play FIFA and stuff like that no I don't anymore I used to um, I was speaking to to Jay outside, and I was saying I loved. I used to love playing FIFA and, and video games, but I never 
enjoyed watching other people play. Yeah. So when you said about that statistic that the the viewership is going to overtake football, I was like, my mind was blown crazy. because I, I just, it's crazy for me. Um, but you said earlier that you found it interesting. You'd watch a game that you wouldn't normally play. Yeah. How exactly. does that work? Like, so it, it depends on the kind of person. Some people you'll play like some. If you love a game, if you love Call of Duty, for mm. example, you might want to watch someone who's really skilled at that to yeah. play it. For myself, I that is an interest to me but I also like to watch someone play a game that I wouldn't necessarily play or buy myself Okay. just to see and get a feel for the game so it's a different psychographic almost in that sense and that's I guess for more of an entertainment side mm. whereas if I'm if you're a massive Call of Duty fan or a Rainbow Six Siege fan mm. or League of Legends you're going to watch that player to mm. see like their skills and be like, oh how do they do that how does she do that how does he do that so how good are they these, these top guys are, these are they are that pros some of them are training like they're spending like 12 to 16 hours a day some of them really? honing their screen. skills on a these day. games yeah. crazy it's, wow. it's, a, it's a serious thing because you have to be because there's a lot of reaction time and speed of thought in the same yeah. way you know if you look at even in a football sense you know one of the things about Messi which doesn't it's his speed of thought and when yeah. he's making yeah, his yeah. reactions and he's, when he's dribbling and so on it's the same thing with the games you know you need that reaction time and speed of Thought. And Jamie, it's fair to say that there's some Premier League clubs that are seriously signing up oh, uh, yeah. esports players, aren't they? Tell us more about that. Yeah, so um, three of the Premier League clubs actually have esports teams. So you've got Wolves, um, West Ham, and Manchester City. And shout out to all of them as well for being so early in the process. Um, mm. Yeah, there more clubs I think will follow um, those three in particular early, and they have their own little teams that will go off and compete in different games and different tournaments around the world in parts of Europe mm -hmm. and so Man City, Wolves and West Ham only be a matter of time before the others um, get involved and we're going to help them. Right this is where my where my family are just going to be completely embarrassed. Do you know the game Crash Bandicoot? Yes I love that game. The Do you? Is finest. That is yes. one of my favourite games of all friends. time. I've just completely embarrassed myself. <laughs> I can hear my family at home going Rita why on earth did you mention that after was talking about professional esports players. But uh, <laughs> Imogen let me ask you as well are you an esports fan? Have you ever played much much of that? Crash Bandicoot is a great game by the way. I can't really coordinate my thumbs to then do what my brain is telling it to do so I'm not I'm not a big <laughs> games person but you are a rock star in a canoe on the river yeah so yeah. that's cool yeah. that's pretty cool <laughs> welcome along to extra time though and it's the second hour of the show it's the sports pal hour and this is Imogen Collins from British Canoeing hi so my final question with a weekend of sporting events all over the UK, I'd love to hear about the panel's greatest ever sporting experience. It might have been a personal experience, sharing someone else's experience, or even an event you were at that left a mark. What made it special to you? Sweet. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk from it from, I won't talk about my football exploits. Um, I'll talk about it from a gaming standpoint. It's probably, probably a couple of years back at EGX, um, Eurogamer, some known as one of the biggest gaming expos in Europe. Um, 80,000 gamers converge into Birmingham. Yes, 80,000, Rita. Um, 80,000? Yeah. Wow. They come into okay. the NEC um, in Birmingham and then we play like all the new games coming out for the following year and get to try them out before they're released to the public. And so there's a tournament there a couple of years back and it was Rainbow Six Siege. And I have to say that was probably... The reason why I liked it is because it's actually you see the numbers and you read the data and see the stats but it was one of the first times where I experienced all the gamers actually converge into this big arena at the back mm. hundreds if not thousands of us just watching people play Rainbow Six Siege which is a highly tactical first person shooter it's a very skilled game um, and to watch 
for me, that was the best because of just the whole energy and the vibe and the excitement and the anticipation. And you think, well, these are playing on the screen. You think it sounds weird, doesn't like, can it really be excitement? But it really. So I'd say, yeah, definitely Rainbow Set Siege at EGX for me. Amazing. Uh, for me, and kind of when you, when you look at like most memorable sporting moments, it always comes down to who I'm sharing that moment with. Yeah. I think if you can share it with someone special, it, it makes a massive difference, right? Um, so probably London 2012 Olympics, you know, yeah. when Mo Farah won the, the 5,000. Yeah. I was watching that at home with, uh, with my old man. So we were both kind of jumping up, screaming at the TV and then to see him kind of take it home. It was, it was, it was great to, great to watch. Um, but yeah, I think if I, if I go through the things that, which I've achieved personally, um, if I've got my family there to share it with people that matter to me, that then that's probably what makes it special. Yeah. Um, when I've played well in, in certain games or if my family are in the bar after and I can share it with them, it kind of, it kind of tops it off. Um, I don't know what, what your thoughts are. Yeah. Mine's similar to that when mine was back at the 2012 Olympics as well um, and being at Dorney Lake uh, I was lucky to kind of be in the family and friends area and when Ed McKeever won his gold medal it was amazing we had I literally had his parents sat just oh, behind wow. me and they're pretty pretty prolific pretty well known in the uh, in the kayaking world so seeing their excitement was just amazing and being around all the people that had inputted into what he'd done and then we got to see Liam and Johnny also winning a medal as well so it was just an atmosphere that you could never never really recreate in my eyes because you're there with the people that care the most about these gold medal winners and these medal winners what a moment, yeah. what a moment for, for the fans but also that you know you, you've seen them through the um, you know these dark mornings freezing mornings mm. out on the on the lake or on the river training right you you know what these oh, what yeah. these athletes have gone through to yeah. get that achievement that must make it even more special yeah see. and seeing like the training plan the structure that someone like Ed had to go through and, and the other two it was intense and it they, they were never they never stopped wanting to learn to be better as well. That was mm. that was the thing that stuck to me so, with me. So when he won that medal, it was the first. We we are the only country that's won Olympic gold in t- K1 men's 200 meters, and we create speed as a country. We are we are brilliant at that, and I think that does play a prominent part with the fact that we've had some amazing coaches leading them, uh, Alex Nikonarov and Eric Farrell, who. They just completely understand the athletes that they're working with, and that's what that's that's why that delivery came. The hard work and dedication from both the coach and the athlete, and I think that's stuck with me kind of to this day. That's what I want to help to provide for the young juniors that I work with, to help them make that step up and imagine their parents being that proud, those proud parents in the crowd, or imagine me being the old coach that that got them there. So yeah, sports sports unique in that sense that. It can demonstrate the highest highs and the lowest yes. lows. Definitely, yeah. I don't know anything else in in any walk of life that can give you those kind of euphor- yeah. euphoric moments. It, it's it's crazy. It's true. You know, on that as well, and we talk about the importance of coaching. Um, a lot of people will be surprised. There's actually our coaches as well in esports. Mm. So a lot of these teams right. and their players, they have coaches. It's proper structured. There's like yeah. scouts and wow. there's coaches and there's journalists and same way in traditional sports. And so you have your Pep Guardiola's of yeah. <laughs> yeah. esports arenas and so on. So it's it's a serious matter. You all so get to share it. You get to together, share, it share those moments. It will come to the Olympics as well. Just a quick one on that. Like really? obviously you, yeah. you you've got coaches etc. How do you 
become a coach of of, of, well, of an esports team. Question. So for a lot of the coaches now, a lot of them are former players themselves. Right. Okay. Oh, and for some, they weren't. They just really understand the game and mm-hmm. understand the mechanics of the game and how to get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. For some people, you'll realise as well, sometimes someone else can get more out of you than yep. you can of yourself. So often they're just ex-players yep. turning coaches. But I think that's one of the things that, you know, we want to try help, help raise awareness with is helping people get into that kind of coaching standpoint. Do you think it could ever change like football so that you've actually got kind of qualifications like you've I got level two, I level three, level so. four? Do you think it I could think get, it like that? get like that? I no doubt, you know, especially as it becomes more and more, you know, we had the EPL this year, obviously mm-hmm. with like, you know, the Premier League working with EA to do a, you know, challenge championship mm-hmm. with between FIFA. As these things continue to happen, and you know, esports going to Olympics, it'll get more and more structured. Yeah. You know, with the amount of eyeballs, the more finance comes in, Definitely. and I think these badges and stuff will come. Mm. When no will doubt. it be in the Olympics? Sorry, um, still your question. They're, they're trying to. <laughs> it's hoping to be. They're hoping they were trying to get into the next one. It was featured last Winter Olympics. So, yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, last year. So. Um, they're trying to get it into the next one, I believe. So I think they're still trying to finalise everything, but it will come. If not next one, it'll be the one yeah. after. So, yeah. Wow. It, 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 I think that would be quite an achievement, though, wouldn't it, for the esports world? Oh, yeah. That is the pinnacle of getting into, you know, the the biggest sporting event in the world. Yeah. Which is it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty let's much, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That and the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, for the, for the amount of eyeballs yeah. and the notoriety, yeah, people enjoy the Olympics generally. You know, I like mm. to... And you watch things that you traditionally might not watch every day. That's what I do love about the Olympics. You might start watching, oh, this looks interesting. Mm. But And so I think it will be a great honour. It take people a while to get their head around like someone representing their country yeah. to play games. <laughs> but yeah. it's coming. What games would you choose? Because obviously there's so many games. How would you choose a certain type of game to actually play at that the Olympics super interesting as well and I don't know how they're going to do that mm. I don't know whether, whether it's going to be real team based skilled based games like CSGO or Rainbow Six Siege mm. or whether it be um, more you know everyday games like FIFA or a mixture of them like maybe Fortnite Dota 2 League of Legends I think they'd probably go on popularity based on you know commercial reasons so mm. probably like I guess like maybe a slower paced games like maybe League of Legends and Dota 2 and then some maybe faster paced ones, maybe like Call of Duty, yeah. Fortnite, mm. and so on. That's what I think. They have different categories, I reckon. Mm. Harrison, I've, going back to the kind of talking about coaching and stuff, now mm. that you are doing more coaching, how different do you find the the experience and the kind of the celebrate celebrations when things go right for your mm. for your guys that you're coaching? Is it so different to when you were playing yourself? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's a different type of um, excitement and joy. Mm. So when you're, you're you're playing and you score a goal, there's nothing that can recreate that. Yeah. Um, whereas on the side, you're kind of more happy for your players because everything's yeah. for the players essentially. Yeah. You're just there to manage them and get the best out of them. Um, so you're still happy, you're still buzzing. Yeah. But it's kind of in a different sense. And it's really hard to manage those emotions, isn't it? When when it yeah. does go well, yeah. you, you want to be there. You want to be completely... I know for myself, when I've had athletes that have won medals, I've I actually missed... We had a, uh, a K4 at the Olympic Hopes, which is kind of the junior regatta for the... Junior world's regatta for under-17s. And they won a medal and two of the guys were from Reading and it was amazing. But I actually had to concentrate on getting another athlete on the water to go do her final. And so you have to keep so yeah. concentrated to be able to then do that. And then I got the opportunity to kind of come over and hug the parents and be like, this is amazing. But hopefully more medals from that boat this year. 
it, Europeans. You've, you've got to stay very level-headed. So yeah. the lows and, and the highs, you have to make sure that when, when you do win, you keep your team level-headed, yeah. don't get carried away. Yeah. And exactly the same when you, when, you, when you might suffer a defeat or what have you, you just keep picking them up. Yeah. Let's go again, go again. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Love it. Love the chat. Imogen, fantastic questions. Thank you. Well done for raising the bar once again <laughs> this week. So tell us, Imogen, Imogen Collins, by the way, from British Canoeing, also part of Reading Canoe Club as well. So tell us all about what the next sort of week or so looks like for you. Tell so, me that you're in some glamorous location and make me jealous. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. I am down at Dorney Lake tomorrow morning with a young girl called Kate Hipkins, who's going to Europeans and Worlds this year. Um, I then, later on in the week, I'm actually doing some stuff with BBC at Oxford. One of the one of the young girls is doing some work on kind of Olympic hopefuls, and she's they're coming over to see her, and I've got to prep her for for that. And then, so uh, media training or uh... well, I mean, I've just got <laughs> to... now. You're a guest editor, so you know yeah, all about I, it. Yeah, Come maybe on. I should drop yeah. that in. I mean. <laughs> I've got to actually just get her organised, I think, basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't get to do oh, the fun okay. bits. I'm just going to be like, come on, Enya, let's go. Um, and then at the weekend, we at Reading, we have uh, a marathon assessment race, which basically means it's it's a selection for the European marathon competition later on in the year. So it will have the fastest marathon paddlers out on the water in K1s. First of all, they have a 3.6K, which is absolutely manic. And then they have to do two portages, um, which is where you get out and run with your boat. And then I believe they have a 12K and the seniors have an 18K and then a 5K time trial after that. Wow. So if you have some time, come down to the Caversham Prom and you'll see some pretty exciting racing going on and hopefully no crashing or breaking of boats. <laughs> so how far is a marathon then? In the uh, canoe world? It depends what they are doing. So you you kind of range from four miles to 125 miles. So um, this year in the Devizes to Westminster, which is a pretty mm-hmm. well-known race, we at Reading actually had the winning boat. So it was a mixed boat, so a girl and a guy. And they were the fastest. They finished when it's not been done that off- that many times. So that was an incredible incredible performance wow well I've learned something new here about marathon I thought you were going to laugh at me you know how long's a marathon because I know no, how no, marathon it, is, but it actually is really it's, confusing it is well it's, it's certainly depends on the four levels. miles to 125 yeah. is quite a difference big difference as well. you, want, you, want to get, you want to know that <laughs> yeah. before you start yeah. <laughs> am I done no you've got 121 yeah. more miles no, to go I think that you have to be a little bit crazy to go and do the 125 miles so hopefully they'll know the, the more sane ones stick with the 4, 8 and 12 <laughs> well we're coming up to 9 o'clock on BBC Radio Berkshire just as a reminder after 9 o'clock as I've said before but I'll remind you all Adrian Goldberg will be joining us with a programme called Our Next Prime Minister looking back at the debate between the Conservative leadership candidates with some expert political analysis and interaction as well so do get involved but before we turn over to turn over the airwaves to Adrian Goldberg let me ask Harrison Jilks also in the studio with us so Harrison you're, you're doing your certificates and your um, your classing classes and stuff like that. You know, what does the next sort of week or so or few weeks look like for you? It's just standard week for me now. Um, so obviously coaching with, with with my team at the moment um, at Reading, um, and then you you kind of build up a, a portfolio of work. You have to document your sessions. You have to have someone come and support you, uh, review what you're doing. 
Um, so it's just pretty much business as usual. So these are part. This is part of the course, if I yeah. said to to put it into practice, right? Yeah. yeah. It, essentially, they they want to yeah. see that you are not just um, good on one day. They want to see how you are over a year and, and make sure that's actually your level, uh, which I think is a really good way of assessing people. Okay. I think before they used to have one assessment. Uh, so it'd be a day you'd go in and get assessed and it's not kind of taking account for people who may suffer with nerves mm -hmm. or you might just have an off day so it might happen and it might just not be your day so mm -hmm. to fail for that's a bit harsh so I think the new uh, system which they use is, is, is a lot better yeah definitely we'll say hello to uh, Ibrahim Asonko for yes, us yeah, yeah, wish him well <laughs> give uh, wishes brilliant I, um, he, 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 what a guy what a guy yeah, yeah, what a player memories, as well yeah. exactly yeah. well good luck then Harrison looking forward to you. seeing you um, you know reaping the rewards of all of this hard work Absolutely. and uh, seeing where it comes to and uh, last but not least Jem tell us all about you know the next few weeks for for uh, you know your company and esports yeah. I've learned so much every time I speak to you I learn so much about Esports. So tell us what's uh, what's going on in your world. Um, yeah, so right now um, we're just planning something with um, Chelsea Football Club, and so we're trying to bring on like serious level of esports grassroots focused with Chelsea and a number of other football clubs. Um, and so we're going to be working with Chelsea to put on this event, which will not only be about obviously competing, they'll also the people that attend will be learning about esports different strands of it some of the stuff i mentioned earlier about you know how to become a scout for example in esports or how to become a coach in esports and the different strands because not everyone wants to be the player or not everyone will be willing to be able to be the player so we're going to have them like a gaming focused educational element with chelsea football club and that would be a series the first of many alongside and have they embraced it fully have they just have they gone yeah, for it yeah, chelsea, been, chelsea been brilliant um, yeah super supportive i've always find the clubs that will be more forward thinking any organization they'll win in just the long run so chelsea being great they're very much focused on community um obviously csr inclusion and stuff and that suits all of our um you know our values as well because we're very big on diversity and inclusion so mm -hmm. we're going to get people of all backgrounds both male and female and yeah different ages coming along and they'll get to play learn compete and see where they can go imogen and harrison have you learned a lot about esports as well so <laughs> much so much i might get one out we might go and go play some game no i'll, I'll watch I... you I'll <laughs> <Yeah>. watch you <laughs> I, uh, I, um this is way too embarrassing to mention but seeing as i mentioned crash bandicoot as well yeah. and ever, you're dancing thanks imogen do you know what i'm on a hat trick here let's go for the third one we we, we rolled out our wii the other day oh, okay. as well i, I nice. bet you haven't got one of those no, have, you, have you ever played on a wii yes they're awesome i was gonna say yeah, yeah. a wii's more my sort of style yeah he's a great two yeah. for everyone <laughs> so i completely embarrassed myself but thank you very much for telling me tell us all about esports sports i think i've hopefully put in a bit of a flavor for some sort of more old school kind of um, yeah we love the retro play. that's where retro. it was we love that, that that sounds way better than yeah, taking it back <laughs> nostalgia is finest that's what crash mandicoot is <laughs> well thank you jim thank you jim so much for coming in harrison always a pleasure to see you say hi to your dad of as course, well as well yeah. as ibrahim isonko and imogen collins uh from the world of british canoeing you know have a lovely day out in, in the office tomorrow tomorrow mm -hmm. on, the, on, yeah. on the river yeah yeah we'll yeah. do and I'll, then i'll see you next week indeed See you next week for more fun and games. Thanks very much to my sports panel hour. 